calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. Listen to mysteries about true histories on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This spirited tale, Story Club members, might make you afraid of things that go bump in the night. It's one I call Deadhead Fred. Gail Sanders had been doing online classes for several weeks now. At first, it seemed like it would be a fun way to stay home all the time, but it actually turned out to be butter knife dull. She couldn't see all of her friends in class. The lessons were usually boring, just listening to a teacher ramble on and on about history and then answering questions on her computer. It didn't help that she had Mr. Carlson, who was not only the hardest teacher in school, but also one of the meanest. So, when she heard that Mr. Carlson was out sick for a few days and that there was a substitute teacher, Gail was so happy. Online school was really tedious, but at least now she wouldn't have mean old Mr. Carlson sneering at her virtually with his beady eyes, sharp nose, and yellow rat teeth. A teacher logged on. His name was Fred Morton, but he only wanted to be called Fred, not Mr. Morton. She liked that. Mr. Carlson always insisted he be called by his last name. She didn't even know what his first name was, but it was probably something like Snake. Fred didn't look like he got out much. He was as pale as a fresh piece of paper. His hair wasn't neatly combed, and the jacket he wore looked frayed in places. Well, maybe Fred didn't get out much and just woke up. He certainly looked that way. But if I look as bad as that when I wake up, Gail thought, please take me to see the doctor. Fred said the first lesson was about the Civil War, which was where Mr. Carlson had left off with Gail for American history. However, as Fred started rambling, that's literally all he did, just ramble. His words didn't make any sense. It was like he'd come up with a language all by himself. Except he was speaking English, as you could occasionally hear a the or and or but, though the sentences he spoke were garbled. Several of the other students who were logged on asked Fred what he was saying, but it seemed like he didn't understand and kept rambling. Gail thought that maybe the teacher was tired. She messaged a few of her friends and they said the same thing. Maybe he was out partying late the night before or had trouble sleeping. Whatever it was, he wasn't a usual prepared teacher. Oh well. 
The next day, Mr. Carlson was still out sick, and Fred popped back onto Gail's computer screen. It was more the same rambling and droning. Gail's friend, Melissa, messaged, what's his deal? Her friend Jason messaged, this guy talks like he has a mouthful of gummy worms. Gail had to mute her microphone and laugh at the last one. Jason had a point. After school, Gail decided to look up Mr. Fred Morton in her directory. She couldn't find anything. Weird. So she then decided to do a web search. She found a few thousand Fred Mortons as it wasn't that unique of a name. So she then looked up Fred plus Morton plus teacher. What she found chilled her to the bone. She saw a picture of Fred. He looked lively and even smiling in his photo. But then she found that he died six months ago in a car accident while driving home from a substitute teacher assignment at another school. So the teacher who was appearing for their American history lessons, the substitute for Mr. Carlson, was dead. Long dead. Gail's scream filled the room, the house, the neighborhood, and she was never the same again. Well, at least Gail found something to scream about during her dull online school course. Okay, okay, that was pretty bad of me to say. But you'll have to forgive me. I myself just woke up and I'm feeling a little deadheaded myself. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This hair-raising tale, Story Club members, might make you think twice about petting that strange, cute canine. It's called Nice Dog. Ow, hey! The boy on the bicycle recoiled. He had tried to reach down to pet Hank, the dog, only to be snapped at. You should be a nice dog. The boy gave the owner, Molly Watts, a sour look, then rode off. Molly had tried to say, he doesn't like very many people, so please don't touch, but the boy hadn't given her much of a chance. Hank had broken free from his leash and gone running off into the park. Hank didn't like leashes or collars very much, and Molly was about the only one who could pet him. Hank, who looked like a miniature wolf with gray and brown fur, only seemed to like her. He was a six-month-old puppy and ridiculously cute, but he was also pretty fierce. In fact, when she took him to the dog park, Rottweilers, German Shepherds, and Pitbulls all gave the pup a wide berth. Somehow, those larger dogs knew they shouldn't mess with Hank. Molly's parents couldn't really even pet him either. He would issue a low growl whenever they tried. <sighs> Molly had gotten Hank the dog one day when she was riding her bike in the park. There was a woman in black there who was holding him. She had a tear in her eye and said she couldn't take care of him anymore. She had a whole litter of puppies at home. So every day, the woman in black was out trying to give the pups away to good homes in the park. The problem was that the pups didn't like most of the people who wanted them. They would often growl and snap, which was ridiculous as the puppies didn't look ferocious at all. They were the kind of dogs you'd see on a cute puppy's calendar, along with the Golden Retrievers, Cocker Spaniels, and Border Collies. The woman wouldn't give the pups to just anyone for adoption. They had to bond with their potential owner right there on the spot. The problem was, most did not. They seemed antisocial toward humans. That's why Molly felt so special with Hank. She was the first and only person that he had bonded with. She named him Hank after Hank the Cowdog, books she loved reading when she was younger. Her new pup vaguely resembled his literary inspiration. So Molly often got sarcastic comments like, nice dog, when she was out and about. Many people who saw Hank fell in love with him, but he could only be admired from afar. 
Another strange thing that she noticed about Hank was that he grew more restless and active at night, especially during the full moon. Usually, dogs would sleep through the night, but Hank was more like a cat in that respect. He seemed to be nocturnal. He napped quite a bit during the day and would perk up as soon as the sun set and the moon rose in the sky. Like clockwork, Molly could anticipate the energy level Hank would put out at night depending if the moon was waxing or waning. If it was waning, Hank wasn't active, and during a new moon in the dark, starry sky, he would sleep through the night. As Hank had grown bigger, he was starting to change. He had grown a muscular neck and shoulders, and his hair grew shaggier. His golden eyes had taken on more of a yellowish hue. They almost seemed to glow in the dark. The woman who'd given Hank to Molly had always dressed in a long, dark dress and black sun hat. When she stopped coming to the park, it was pretty noticeable. Molly hadn't seen her again for a long while. But one day, when Molly was riding her bike home from school, she finally spied the mysterious woman again. The woman was driving in a car going the opposite way. Molly quickly turned her bike around and followed. Fortunately, the long, black car stopped at several stoplights or Molly would have never been able to keep up. The woman pulled up to a spooky old Victorian house on the far side of town. Molly was almost afraid to cross the wrought iron gate that said, beware of dog. When she rang the bell at the gate, something growled at her from the bushes. Something massive, the size of a lion. She could see its yellow eyes peering at her through the leafy shadows. The woman in black strolled out onto her porch and asked what Molly wanted. Molly said that she needed to know more about the puppy the woman had given her. The woman gave a large, toothy grin. Oh, she said, I suppose I neglected to tell you because you and your pup had such a bond. But he is a werewolf cub, and someday he'll grow into the size of Cheney. Come here, Cheney. The massive beast of a dog with shaggy dark hair and piercing yellow eyes lumbered from under the shrubbery. He gave a backward growl at Molly, then lopped across the crabgrass yard and onto the porch where the woman rubbed his witch hat pointed ears. The monstrous dog bellowed some grunts of pleasure. You see, they make fine, fine pets. They're very good dogs. Molly worried about how big Hank would grow and what she would do with him when he was as big and massive and dangerous looking as Cheney. And what about all the other werewolf cubs the woman in black had given away? Would the town be full of nocturnal prowling beasts when the full moon rose every month? <sighs> as much as I would love a werewolf cub, beloved listeners, I think I'm gonna stick with my toy poodle Spike and Chihuahua Renfield. Otherwise, my little fur babies might get a bit jealous. And if you've ever had a small dog before, then you know there's every chance that they might scare the big bad monster dog away with all their yipping. <laughs> Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features, like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. 
These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host, and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This blood-sucking yarn Story Club members might make you itch all over. It's one I call the Monster Flea. Charlie Murdoch and his father Charles hunted through the deep, dark Alaskan woods. His father had his weapon at the ready. They were out searching for a moose, an uncommonly massive one that had been spotted in the area. When they came to a clearing, Charlie's father abruptly signaled for him to stop with his hand. Then, his dad leveled the weapon and captured the moose. Using his camera with a telephoto lens, that is. Charles Murdoch expertly snapped several shots of the moose in the glen. The amazing animal was munching on the wildflowers that were spread out as far as the eye could see in a galaxy of orange, yellow, and violet. It was a clear blue August day. Charlie's dad was a wildlife photographer. This was one of the first trips he'd allowed his son to come on, and Charlie was so excited. His dad had told him that wildlife photography would be pretty boring to an 11-year-old, but Charlie was just happy to spend time outdoors together, even if that meant you often had to wait hours or sometimes even days for the perfect shot. And many times, the perfect shot never came. This massive animal had been pure luck. They were standing downwind of the big bull moose, so he wouldn't even smell their scent and run off. Charlie's dad was able to get some seriously amazing pictures. Actually, they were really amazing because there was something weird that had formed beside the moose. What's that near the moose? Charlie whispered to his dad. There were long and white oblong shapes that resembled overgrown white rice. They were the size of small cars. I don't know, his dad whispered, aiming his camera, then shooting pictures of them. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. Maybe they're from outer space or something? Charlie said. Like, you know, aliens? Who's to say? His father said. They all look like flea eggs or something, but fleas don't get that massive. Could you imagine? Suddenly, one of the bizarre objects quivered. Then a hole formed in it, and the head of a massive flea appeared through the opening. It wiggled its reddish-brown insect body out of the egg. The moose, sensing the movement, ran off in the opposite direction. However, the monster flea, sensing warm-blooded prey, leapt out of its egg with its long, massive hind legs and sprang onto the fleeing beast with one pounce. It forced its mandible into the fur of the moose and drank its blood. The moose fell on the ground, drained of its life force. More of the eggs trembled as they began to hatch. Dad, don't you think we should run? Charlie's dad was too busy snapping photos, though. Another monster flea climbed out of its oversized egg. It sprang with its massive legs, joining its fellow flea for some newborn nourishment. However, finding that that moose had been drained dry, the flea spotted Charlie and his father. Dad, let's go! As his father lowered his camera, the flea sprang and landed on him. Its mouth parts were already plunged in Charles's neck, draining him of blood. Go, Charlie, go! His dad was screaming for Charlie to run. No! 
Charlie grabbed a fallen branch on the ground and tried to hurt the flea, smashing the stick across its scaly armored back. However, the flea kept draining its prey of blood unabated. Charles Murdoch was now as white as a sheet of paper from blood loss and had fallen into unconsciousness. Another monster flea sprang from a massive egg. That was Charlie's cue to flee. He ran down the trail as fast as possible. He didn't need to look behind him to hear the hopping alien bloodsuckers chasing after him. The trees had allowed some cover from his insect pursuers, but it was only a moment or two before they were upon him. Charlie sprinted to the car and fought to open the door. It was locked, and the keys were with his father. He ducked into the tent and zipped it up, then climbed into his sleeping bag and curled into a ball. Outside the tent, he heard a thumping sound. The giant fleas were landing all over the campground. Charlie held his breath, trying not to make a sound. <gasps> Maybe the fleas wouldn't find him and drink his body dry of his precious blood. In another moment, though, the nylon tent was being ripped to shreds, and the last thing Charlie Murdoch heard was the clicking of giant flea mandibles. Ugh, that story makes me itch all over, and now I want to give my dog, Spike and Renfield, flea baths for eternity. I think I like my blood churning in my veins at all times, thank you very much. And thank you all very much for rocking your Story Club t-shirts, hoodies, and caps from GoKidGo.com. I am so loving getting your pictures and emails at Ivy at GoKidGo.com. It absolutely, 100% always makes my day, beloved listeners. Keep on sharing your Story Club spirit and ideas with me. I seriously can't get enough. And as always, be sure to meet me back here for the next episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member deserves a little scare to match their spooktastic style every day. Ivy out! We put on our detective caps and looked high and low, searching for clues to lead us to the best new mystery podcast for kids. Little did we know that we would have to search upside down. That's right. We discovered the upside down story with a brand new mystery story for kid detectives each and every week. With most stories, the storyteller introduces themselves at the beginning of the tale. But at the upside down story, you don't know who is telling you the story until the very end. Unless you guess their identity sooner, that is. Do you think you have the detective skills to crack these cases wide open? Yes? Then tag along with us for the fun and put your sleuthing skills to the test by listening to The Upside Down Story on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.